Tua. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle, snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play to get it. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's an all-22 Tuesday? Well, Wednesday. But we're breaking down the latest of Miami's seven-game winning streak with a tape review, the key numbers from PFF, next-gen stats, the counting stats, the snap counts. We're also going to scan the social as we do every single week here on the Drive Time Podcast. From somewhere in South Florida, this is, you guessed it, the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins Before we dive right into the All-22 review here, the Dolphins film study from the Week 16 20-3 victory over the New Orleans Saints. couple of news breaking here before I record the podcast on Tuesday evening. And just keep in mind that this situation is going to probably be fluid here for the rest of the season in terms of the COVID list and who's on it and who's off it. So just go into each podcast knowing that that could change pretty much every single day. But Brandon Jones, the Dolphins' safety, defensive lineman John Jenkins and Adam Butler, and receiver Preston Williams on Tuesday were added to the COVID-19 reserve list. So that's something to monitor going forward. The Titans list has also built up a little bit heading into the early portions of this week. So we'll go ahead and monitor that for you throughout the course of the week on the podcast here on Drive Time on Twitter and everywhere you get your information. Let's go ahead and jump right into the All-22 review here, starting on the offensive side of the football. And we start with the quarterback as he was the first note I wrote down upon pulling up the tape, and it began with play number two. And the reason I wrote this down, because you might look at the result or even the play yourself and say, that's an innocuous play to kick off your podcast with. But that play reminded me of one of my favorite Tua traits when he was a prospect at the University of Alabama. His ability to get aligned and produce sound mechanics that match the speed of his eyes. So the feet, the body, all of that work to get through progressions happens at the same speed that his eyes can get through the progression. He pulls on this play miles over into the boundary in motion pre-snap, and they run a stick concept with Parker and, and Gaskin. It's curl flat. Parker takes just basically takes the defensive back and stays on him and runs a little stick route, a little curl route, five yards down the field, and Miles runs the flat. And Tua's eyes are to that portion of the field, the boundary side of the formation, as Parker is engaged with Lattimore, and Marcus Williams scrapes over the top of that natural rub route to really take away Miles on that swing flat. Also in the line of sight for Tua is defensive end Cameron Jordan, who outright wins with a wicked swim move to get after the quarterback. And you see Tua's eyes flip to the other side of the field, the field side of the formation, the wide side, and Waddle is just coming out of his break as the two to the three receiver side. So the inside receiver, one, two, then three, close to the last scrimmage. He's the two, the middle receiver out there. And as Tua hits the back of his drop and hitches up, he just naturally glides over, flips the hips, gets the feet, the shoulders, everything aligned, and naturally slides into a position where he's now square with his mechanics to Jalen Waddle, his target, and the ball is right out in front and on time. It's a small thing, but it's a play where the ball has to come out in a flash instead of suffering a negative play 
or even throwing the ball away or even inaccurately throwing the football in that situation. It creates a third and two. I put it on the stopwatch. The ball was out in 2.39 seconds with a hurry from Cam Jordan. Get it out, take the profit, move on to the next play, which is third and short, a conversion to Jalen Waddell. And I think I was a little bit too critical at the time on the broadcast replay of the third down miss on that opening drive, the crossing route with pressure instantly in the face of Tonga Vailoa with a free hitter, really in the only possible throwing lane that was available for Tua on that play with immediate pressure, less than two seconds, man in his face. And sometimes that can be hard to make an accurate throw without having the pass deflected or rejected right back into your face, or even worse, tipped up into the air. But this play was a nice design for Gaskin to take a slow release out of a stack formation in tight to the formation right behind Devontae Parker, who kind of ran off the reroute safety, who peeled out from a pressure look, mugged up into the B-gap, I think it was. He peels out and walls off Parker, and right behind that comes Gaskin to get clear on that crossing route. And the Saints on that play ran a successful twist to the left side of the formation on the offensive line there with Eichenberg and Jackson to create pressure with both of those guys to force a quick throw and eventually an errant throw and an incompletion. Just put a couple more notes in here about the appreciation for Tua's ability to see the rush is getting hot and it's going to get into his face quickly and it's just ball up and out. <laughs> that thing is out. It doesn't matter where the feet are, although we talk about how much we like the mechanics, but there's a great video of Jordan Palmer breaking down core mechanics for a quarterback and how when you're stable and strong in your core, you can get to those off-platform throws, and Tua does that all the time in the short intermediate area where he has immediate pressure coming off the mesh point, pulls that thing, ball up and out, and it's, it's off quickly, and it's just so often from those looks exactly where it needs to be I don't think that trait is appreciated enough from Tua to get the football out hot and put it on target with those different platforms and looks. The fumble that pushed the Jason Sanders field goal back to 48 yards that he eventually hit, thought was a little bit loose with the ball in the pocket on that play. Put that thing away. It was a twist again from the tackle and uh, stunt combo to the offense's left. And they got in, both of them got in there for a sack. And right as Tua's hand separated, the hit comes as so the ball goes flying out. And then the Waddle hustle to get that football back. More on that in just one minute. I thought the really nice drive on the first down out route to the field to Waddle. It's an eight-yard out route. He picks up another seven yards or so after the catch. But the ball was perfectly on the outside shoulder from the field, wide side of the field, eight-yard out, just cuts that thing loose, right on time, right on target, good velocity. And it turned Waddle upfield into an easy transition from a receiver to a runner. These, again, are the fine details that we see on tape on Monday or Tuesday that maybe we miss in the broadcast on Sunday or Monday night. The first and 15 on that same drive. There's pressure off the right side of the formation, and he's got to, once again, climb the pocket and reset. And that's one of the things I like about his game when he does this reset. The way he protects the football with two hands, holds it high and tight, keep it away from swats and guys possibly getting their hand on that thing to punch it free. And the field side nine route is covered. So is the out route to that little combination over there. And so is Mike Gasicki from the three receiver side of that formation. He runs a second level out route. All three of that's taken away. But then you have little old backside receiver Durham Smythe. And his he's got his man stacked with outside leverage and then crosses that thing over the field. And from that backside... Tua already has immediate pressure once again. That was kind of the theme of the night. Pressure off the right side. He has to reset, get up into the pocket. And when he does that, he wants to throw down the middle of the football field. But once again, more color flashes. Another gold helmet and black jersey flashes right in his face. So he tucks it again, sidesteps, and then gets that ball again, up and out. And the ball is right on the money. 
to Durham Smythe. What a freaking play that was to set them up in second and short after being set with first and long, first and 15 right before the end of the first half. Coming into the second half on the interception, we played Tua's explanation of it on the podcast yesterday where he talked about it was a different miscommunication between he and Matt Collins. But man, when he climbs up like that, that's where some of these big plays I think can really happen. The way he gets out of the immediate pressure and you can get some of those guys uncovering down the field. And on this particular play, you see Waddle uncover 15 yards downfield, streaking back to the quarterback or rather vertical or horizontally alongside the quarterback. And then to throw that back shoulder ball, the underneath defender carried that vertical between the two high safeties. So really you had three guys on Mac and nobody on Waddle. I think we want to have that throw back. Then you come back right after that. Third and nine. The big ball, 40 yards down the field. Mack gets the inside release. It's a five-man rush coming. Tua hitches up and fires because, once again, pressure's there immediately. Takes a hit as he throws. And I thought the location of this pass was just perfect. I mean, it's a great catch by Matt Collins. But what a big play in a big spot there. No real breakdown. He just hit the back of his drop, the top of his drop, hitched up, threw a dime. The receiver made a good play after stacking the defensive back. There was one-on-one coverage, no safety help, and again, a fantastic release Help gave to give Tua an immediate window to attack on that throw. The flea flicker. Brian Baldinger mentioned this on Twitter in his breakdown that you can see Tua surveying the field before he even catches the flip back from Gaskin and Waddle's slow play off the line and the acceleration. I don't know how you cover that. That's that's a route that with the flea flicker action, I just not I'm not sure how you cover that. And it goes for 24 yards and gets the offense rolling. They punch it in later on that little trickeration pop fast inside. We'll talk about that here in just one second. But my last two a note, the completion to Gasicki after the defense's fourth down stop in that fourth quarter, he steps around a free run from Marcus Davenport. An absolute free run. Like no one even got in his way. And he steps in front of that, goes back to the left, and gets the football out wide to Mike Gasicki to create a big catch after, a run after the catch, to put Miami into field goal range, to make it a three-score game. That's what you talk about when you talk about elevating your team. I mean, free rushers all day, getting out of that pressure, the pocket presence, the ability to manage the pocket within short confines and quick confines to get into throwing positions within those small confines. thought it was very special in this game. So I thought it was a better performance after re-watching the tape and seeing some of the fine details and how he succeeded in some of those areas. He just missed a handful of throws in this game that I'd like to have back for him, but I think another solid showing here for your 23-year-old quarterback who is 12 and 7 in his career as a starter. We talked about Jalen Waddle. Creative usage for this guy right from the jump. That first third down conversion, they align him to two was right in the backfield motion him to the left, and then leak him back to the right against the flow of the play where you have trips that's set to the the right side of the formation. They flood the left, and then you get Waddle back to the field, which gives him extra space to use because it's a little bit wider portion of the field. And then from there, all he needs is his speed to get upfield and move the sticks, move the chains. I love that look that you kind of get the flow of the potential run game, the potential quick hitting crosser game going one direction, leak Waddle back across the other formation, and then they, the other side of the formation, and then they tackle him out of bounds for 15 more yards to move the chains even further. Nice opening creative use there of your number one pick receiver. Third and seven, middle of the first quarter. This was an awesome, awesome route from Waddle. He's the three to the field, the furthest inside receiver to the field side of the formation. And they run a little return short motion. So he's going to line up a little bit wide in terms of that three position, motion in close to the formation, and then return back to the previous position. And when they do that, it identifies a guy that follows him in the motion there. So that tells you man coverage. And it also creates inside leverage. Previously, he was capped. Now the defensive back has inside leverage on him, 
which he takes a little stutter release. And then you see the defensive back throw the hands. And once he does that, Waddle hits the acceleration and kind of ducks around the outside like a like a pass rusher would, like Andrew Van Ginkle does on those speed rush moves. And it gets the cornerback panicking into a chase position. And right as he stacks him, he breaks that out wide. The ball is coming. It's right on time, right on target. A big third down conversion for Miami to move into plus territory early in this game. And on that play, Tua repeated the idea of the kind of reset back to squaring to your target after evading initial pressure. And then the ball is out quickly, up and out once again. Get that thing out after the reset. And again, that urgency is so crucial because Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is peeling off an out route to Mike Gesicki, which was run to create a window for Jalen Waddle. And you cannot be late there or it's, a, it's probably going to get tipped if not picked off by, by Gardner-Johnson. So a great call, great route, and great quarterback play on that throw. Then the hustle play, I mentioned that too. The ball flings left when Tua steps up and takes the hit. And Waddle started to the right on that play, runs a little drag route, and he sees the ball immediately after it comes out. He's 10 yards away from the football when he starts to chase that thing down, and it's rolling away from him. Number 92 for New Orleans is within five yards. And as he goes to fall on it, no, number 52. As he goes to fall on it, Waddle comes flying in like Pete Rose rounding third base, diving into home home plate to knock that football loose. And then Eichenberg and Jackson come together. And I think it was 74 who fell on it. Both those guys were the ones that were beat on the pass rush. So they're there to fall on the football. But Waddle's hustle jarred that thing back loose. Fantastic play by Waddle. And then I talked about the bracket play on Camaro on the Tuesday show, how Byron Jones and Andrew Van Ginkle kind of bracketed him on an option route. Miami did something similar to free up Waddle on a very similar look, a third down conversion. It was called back on a hold, but it's a little choice route. Inside, outside, you want the speed out, the Texas route back inside, and the safety overplays it as Waddle gets wide open inside crossing face for 10 yards and a first down. And the way he sets that move up, a little stutter step at the top of the route, it left the defensive back like those Madden jukes when they overrun it and have to spin back around. Beautiful, beautiful route there from Jalen Waddle. I love the swing route to move the sticks on that same drive. They got him matched up with a linebacker on that play, and it was an easy pickup of 10 to 12 yards just with his speed alone. And then the touchdown, I just love the design. It, it starts with empty with Tua all by himself back there. Philip Lindsay motions back alongside Tua, but takes it to an orbit motion where you get alongside the quarterback, and then you loop back around him to go back where he came. And that same side of the formations where Waddle comes back across the other side of the formation running parallel to the line of scrimmage. And you see seven Saints defenders converge on the Tua Lindsay potential option. He flips that thing back inside. Waddle gets the tunnel and a good job to know where the goal line is. And then to kind of just stick your head down across the goal line, dive into that thing and get the touchdown. Then it's Waddle celebration time. And Big Rob held a great block on that play and did not come off of it. That was a theme of the night. Let's take a real quick break and come right back to the All-22 review. We talked about Jalen Wild before the break. Let's go ahead and pick it up here at the receiver position and talk about Devontae Parker. Not a lot to go into here, but you heard me mention him in that earlier play. He did a really good job of kind of just running a lot of selfless routes in this game where he was basically called upon to clear out space or to set a pick slash rub of some sort. The stats don't always tell the story, and I thought Devontae played hard and did his job on those clear out routes. Durham Smythe. Now, I wrote him in the notes here because the RPO polls with him kind of taking that flat is just such a tough play for that unblocked end to defend. 
Sometimes the structure gets it to where he's got the mesh point with the give or the possible keeper and the flat receiver, in this case, Durham Smythe. Most of the cases, Durham Smythe. And there's just no possible way he can cover all three of those things. So they got two first downs out of that on the field goal drive in the first quarter. And I also thought Durham had a really nice block on the pop pass to Tommy Lee Lewis that gained 10 yards. He made a key lead block out wide. So too did Miles Gaskin. Speaking of Miles Gaskin, the one note here was the effort on the second and nine reception that was ruled short. Thought that was a terrific job with the nose for the first down sticks and kind of like the waddle touchdown. Just put your head down and go get that thing. Thought Duke Johnson had two really good runs in this game. The run before the two-minute warning in the first half where he slow played a jump cut and then kind of burst out wide for eight or nine yards. We saw that same burst from the Jets game. Then the truck stick run later on in the touchdown drive when he drops that shoulder and just ran right through a Saints defender. Those types of runs can really get drives going and fire up your entire offense. Just a quick mention here before we talk about the offensive line, the Saints front, you know, Brian Flores mentioned it was a tough matchup with the Saints strong front, and it really was a combination of guys. A lot of times those two ends, Davenport and Jordan, were a lot to contend with, as they usually are, but they gave Eichenberg and, and Jesse Davis some problems in this game. Shy Tuttle was tough to move. Uh, Zach Bond was involved in a lot of plays, and they still had a lot of their really good players on defense, and they played like it in this game. So they really got after it on this Dolphins front. Back to the running back real quick. I just have a quick note on Philip Lindsay. I appreciated his effort on that third and short carry in the first quarter from the Wildcat formation. He had to get lateral to miss a t- to force a missed tackle. Then he just puts his head down like Miles, like Waddle, and found the sticks and got the ball passed for a first down. That's the word I use every time for that. Just appreciation for knowing where the sticks are and going and getting it. Back to the offensive line. I thought Rob Hunt was fantastic in this game. He had a good stunt pickup early in the game with eyes on possible help to Jesse Davis's inside post and then came back inside to help with Michael Dieter. He had a good block at the point on a Duke Johnson run where he latched, stayed on, and controlled the rep. And again, that was a theme all night long. He turned out David on Yamada a few times in this game. A very good defensive tackle there for the Saints. And you know, I watch him, Big Rob, And I remember how we used to talk about the size of the offensive line in that draft class and Rob being one of those 330 pounders. He's cut it down a little bit and kind of put on more muscle in that regard, but he's really playing big. Like guys are having a hard time doing two things that you have to do simultaneously to win a rundown rep, moving him and then getting him off balance. Because once in a while, they'll get a shot that kind of knocks him back a little bit, but he's usually able to get back into good position to reposition, repunch with those hands and take back control of the rep. And he finished this game too. There was a handful of clips where you just say, all right, 68 had a nice pancake on a second down on the drive after the Waddle touchdown. The rest of the line, I didn't think it was great. Austin just had a tougher time than Rob did staying on blocks in this one. Again, that's a tough front for them. And Eichenberg really got beat bad on a couple of speed to power moves by Davenport and just got beat in the pass rush game quite a bit in this game. It was for, for, a handful of the Dolphins' offensive line and dropbacks. It wasn't great. That Saints defense is tough. Hopefully they can get that fixed and corrected going into the final two games. On the defensive side of the ball, I talked a lot about changing the picture with different looks defensively, and I don't think we have to go much further into that. That's just what I saw on tape because it didn't change, and, and Coach talked about that in his Tuesday media, changing the picture, mixing it up, getting home with multiple rush looks, and we'll play that audio here in just one second. But I wanted to talk about First of all, this is going to be a little bit shorter than usual because we covered so much of it on the Monday night slash Tuesday morning recap podcast, but just going to be a shorter defensive version. Let's go ahead and start here with 
the pick six, the Nick Needham pick six. And it starts off with Andrew Van Ginkle. We already talked about this, getting the separation with his hands up to create the separation once he sees the quarterback go to throw. You get the hands up, you get the tip. And then you had both Nick Needham and Xavier Howard driving on that ball before it even came out. I don't think it was going to be a completion. I think it might have been a pick by Needham regardless, but the tip made it a sure thing. Great team effort to, again, as I mentioned, really set the tone for this game. What a start that was. Back to Van Ginkle. I thought he continued to show out in the areas that he has really shown in this entire streak. Good depth and coverage, good process to find out where he needs to rotate, and a solid pass rush game where he gets a few wins every single game with that quickness and that little dip move around the edge. Not so much the quickness, but more just sheer power. Christian Wilkins, I was just putting down notes, sheds block, makes tackle, two technique, withstands double team, gets back into the original gap and joins Zach Sealer, who won a one-on-one to work over into the gap from his four tech position to join up for a stop. Those two guys, we're going to talk about that here in the numbers portion, are absolute monsters in the running game and pretty good pass rushers too. They played another fantastic game on on Monday night. And Zach Sealer, man, the hands are just too heavy. The upper half is just too strong. The number of times that he just physically overwhelmed guys in this game was kind of jaw-dropping. Lots of rips, slaps, swims, things that held the lineman at bay while he worked the outside or inside shoulder to gain leverage and route to the quarterback. And like I said last week, man, it's grown man football. And speaking of grown man football, the number of times where Raekwon Davis just uses his length and sheer power to stand his man up, there were a lot of controlled reps in this game where it's exactly how you want it. There just aren't a lot of counting stats there to help quantify his impact, but it is there. Then Emmanuel Ogba, the sack that he and Wilkins split, Great job by Adam Butler to set the pick for Ogba to loop in around and take a good angle to get his hand on book before Wilkins cleans it up. And, you know, Ogba's ability to angle inside on those looper assignments, it's choice, man. He's got a really good lateral agility to pair with that length that he has put together for nine sacks this season. The next series, he just works to lock out against his man in the running game and prevents it from going anywhere. Swatting passes, rushing the passer run defense. Ogba's having a great Dolphins run here. Jerome Baker, the play before the play, one of my favorite themes here on the podcast, before the Nick Needham pick six, the Saints might have converted a first down there, and who knows how that changes the course of that first drive. He's outflanked by a tight end to the boundary pre-snap, and they run a quick out, and Baker shows you the speed to cut it off and prevent it from getting to the sticks, and that creates the third down, which then leads to a pick six. So good job by Jerome to get that play short of the mark. And then he also showed that speed on the full sack he had where he beat Ian Book outright to the sideline. He's mugged up in the A-gap and rushes upfield, then works off the block and runs all the way to the opposite sideline to make that play. Speed, 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 the name of the game there for Jerome Baker. I thought he and Alandon Roberts filled and fit the run really well all night long. And just a few more notes here, Brandon Jones, I mentioned this, but I just love the way he factors in against the run. He fights through a lot of traffic and just puts his, you know, he puts hits on the back and he's always there to push the pile when it gets stood up. He pushes it backwards. I love his effort against the run and and, and otherwise too. Byron Jones and X, not a lot to point to here. I thought they both played a mix of man and zone very beautifully. Thought they moved and maintained depth while I and the quarterback and staying 
really solid in plastering when Book would break the pocket against man coverage. Byron Jones, the one misplay of the ball, causes 54 yards, but other than that, they were locked down all night. And Javon Holland, wasn't much action for him there. He factored into the run game once with a big stick, thought he covered well too. Solid game, but not many reps where he's involved directly in the impact of the play. So that's your All-22 Review Week 16 edition. Two more of these to come. Let's go ahead and jump into the numbers. But first, before we do that, these words. So the All-22 review in the rear view. Let's go ahead and move forward now to the numbers from Pro Football Focus. And actually, just real quick before we do that, the Dolphins are 19-7 and in the Brian Flores post-Halloween. Their December record under Brian Flores is 9-3. and This season, they have 45 sacks, 124 QB hits, a 12.7% QB knockdown rate. Those are all best in show, tops in the National Football League. They're 7th in run defense, and they are also 7th in yards per pass play allowed, and they're 11th in takeaways. Speaking of takeaways, after notching a takeaway in 6 straight games to close out 2019, recording a takeaway in every game, all 16 of them in 2020, the Dolphins have a takeaway in 13 out of 15 games this season, giving them a takeaway in 35 of their last 37 games, and in those 37 games, Miami has a total of 61 takeaways. Wow. Some league leaders, or top of the leaderboard, I should say. <clears throat> Emmanuel Ogbos tied for 16th with nine sacks. He's ninth with 24 QB hits. Jalen Phillips is 21st with eight and a half sacks. He's 28th with 16 QB hits. And Van Ginkle's tied for 18th with 19 QB hits. Xavier Howard's tied for sixth with 14 passes defensed. Emmanuel Ogbos 25th regardless of position, with 10 passes defense, and he's first among all defensive linemen. Jalen Waddle is sixth in the National Football League with 96 catches. Tua Tungavailoa's 54.6 total QBR is ninth best in the National Football League. His 4.4% sacks taken rate is tied for fourth best in the NFL. He's 13th in net passing yards per attempt. He's 90, his 94 passer rating is 16th, and his 70.1% completion percentage is tops in football. The Dolphins are 12th this season, converting touchdowns in the red zone, and they are 13th on third down. Two testaments there to your second-year quarterback. Speaking of Tua, on 20-plus yard throws from Pro Football Focus, one for three for 40 yards and the pick. Accurate on the throw to Mac, missed the throw down the middle to Mac as well, and then had the deep shot to Waddle that was no good. 10 of 19... Or Throws 10 to 19 yards, 3 for 5, 55 yards. So on total throws of 10 yards plus, 4 for 8, 95 yards, and the interception. When kept clean, 15 for 20 for a buck 35, a touchdown and an interception. Under pressure, 4 for 6, 63 yards. And when he was blitzed, 3 for 4, 51 yards. So he found a way to get the football out among all that pressure. As far as the rushing went, Gaskin led the team with three yards average after contact. All three backs forced just one missed tackle in this game. The rushing direction, off left end, averaged four yards per carry. Off left tackle averaged 4.7 yards per carry. And off right guard was four yards per carry. Nowhere else was better than 3.1 yards per carry. In the receiving department, Waddle continues to shine in these two stats. 3.17 yards per route run. You want to be above two as a full-time player. 7.7 yards per target. He had 57 yak yards. He aligned 50% of the time in the slot, 34.5% out wide, and 15.5% in the backfield. He had two catches on three targets against Marcus or Marshawn Lattimore for 29 yards. 
against Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, 4 of 4 for 30 yards, against Roby, 2 for 3 for 19 yards, and they gave him the touchdown, and then Zach Bond, 2 of 2 for 14 yards. Matt Collins averaged 5 yards per route run, of course, much fewer routes, one big play gives you that big spike, just like it does for his 20 yards per target, and then Mike Gesicki, just .81 yards per route run and 5.5 yards per target. Pro Football Focus charged the Miami offensive line with nine pressures allowed in this game. Liam Eikenberg, two, one QB hit. Austin Jackson, three, one QB hit. Michael Dieter, zero. Robert Hunt, zero. And Jesse Davis, four, with the sack. For Rob, that's two pressures allowed over the last four games. The rushing stats behind right guard have been good over that period as well. He's playing really good football. On the defensive side, some season pressure totals. Ogba has 61 from Pro Football Focus. That's tied for eighth among edge defenders. Van Ginkle's 42 are tied for 28th, and Phillips's 38 are tied for 33rd. The game pressures, Wilkins had six, Sealer had five. Those guys dominated the entire game. Ogba had four, Baker had three, Raekwon Davis, Brandon Jones, and Andrew Van Ginkle had two apiece, and five guys had one pressure in this game. Lots of pressure for the Dolphins' defense. Run stops, Baker had five, Roberts had four, Ogba had four, Sealer and Wilkins had three apiece. Wilkins and Sealer are fifth and sixth, respectively, among all interior defensive linemen with 37 and 32 run stops, according to Pro Football Focus, and Jerome Baker with 29 QB pressures is third among all off-ball linebackers. In coverage in this game, Xavier Howard, 31 coverage snaps, two catches, 29 yards. He actually got turned around one of those routes. Doesn't happen very often. Good for the Saints on that one. Nick Needham, 16 coverage snaps, one catch, four yards. Byron Jones, 30 coverage snaps, one catch, 56 yards. That one bums me out. Javon Holland, 28 coverage snaps, no targets. Brandon Jones, 21 coverage snaps, no targets. And Eric Rowe was in coverage 17 times, one catch, and six yards allowed. The Dolphins missed just five tackles in this game. I said that was going to be a key coming in. They got the job done. Some next-gen stats. Tua's plus 2.9% completion over expected rate is third best in the NFL behind only Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers. He has the football out an average of 2.51 seconds. That's the fourth quickest time to throw. And we talked last week about not having Waddle and a huge spike in the aggressive throw rate, which is throws into targets who have one or fewer yard of of separation at the catch point. He went back from second down to fourth after this game. He's 18.6%. Jalen Waddle's 76.2% catch rate is fifth among receivers, ninth among all players. He's getting an average of 6.3 yards cushion and creates an average of 3.3 yards of separation. Both of those numbers are right in the middle of the pack. I mentioned this on the Tuesday podcast. The Dolphins have an 11% sack rate when they send four or fewer rushers since week nine. That's the best in the NFL. What does Coach Flores think about that? You know, putting together game plans, putting our, our guys in um, a good position. I think, you know, I think you really can't rush unless um, you stop the run. So I think we're doing a good job on early downs, trying to get that done. Um, I think... You know, opportunities to 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 pressure. Um, you know, there's a lot that's involved there. I think people will just think you put your hand in the dirt and rush the passer, but um, you know, oftentimes there's you know, score dictates it, dictate dictates it, situation dictates it. Um, you know, if they're running the ball, then you can't. You know, there is no pass rush. Uh, you know, if Obviously, if you're, you're you're down points, then 
you know, they're more apt to run it. So there is no pass rush there. So there's a lot of things that go that goes into it. It's not, you know, it's not a seven on seven league or a, or just a passing league. So um, I think as a team, we've put ourselves in a position where you know, we've you know created some situations where um, it, it, it's it's more likely than not that it's going to be passed. Um, I think our guys kind of know and understand that, and have, uh, you know they work well together to to try to uh, be protections and, and and win on rushes. So credit to the, to the players, obviously number one there. I'm proud of that one because anytime I get Flores to expand like that, I'm always proud of doing that. Let's go ahead and get to the snap counts here. The quarterback, Tua, played 61 snaps. That was 94%. Jacoby Brissett played the other four snaps. The entire offensive line went wire to wire. 65 snaps for all five guys. And Adam Pankey played one snap as an extra lineman in the formation. Thought we'd see more of that with him getting the call up. He did it last year. Thought he might do it in place of Robert Jones this year. At running back, 23 carries for Duke, or snaps rather, for Duke Johnson was 35% of the workload. Miles Gaskin had more snaps than Lindsey, 20 for him. Lindsey had 19. At receiver, Waddle played 58. That was 89%. Parker, 46. Ford, 20 snaps. Hollins, 11. And Tommy Lee Lewis played three before exiting with the injury. At tight end, Durham Smythe leads the way again. 51 snaps for him, 78% of the workload. Mike Gasicki played 49. Adam Shahid played 19. And Hunter Long played four in the game. On the interior defensive line, Christian Wilkins, 43 snaps, 83% of the workload. Zach Sealer has a big bump. His biggest stat production since week three. 38 snaps for him, 31 for Raekwon Davis, and 21 for Adam Butler. Off the edge, Andrew Van Ginkle played 45 snaps, 87% of the workload. He also gave you... Uh, 16 special team snaps. Emmanuel Ogba played 39 defensive snaps. Jalen Phillips, 26. And Vince Beagle played two. At off-ball linebacker, Jerome Baker played 50. That was 96% of the workload. Alandon Roberts played 34. And Egwavon and Calvin Munson both played two apiece. At cornerback, X and Byron both played 50. That's 96%. Same number as Javon Holland. Nick Needham played 21 snaps. Emmanuel Ogba played two. Brandon Jones played 38. Eric Rowe, 26. And Sheldrick Redwine played two snaps. Special teams, Beagle 21, Fedulum 20, Igbo 19, Gink and Egwavon played 16 each. All right, let's go ahead and scan the social before we get out of here. And I just want to go ahead and touch on this topic that's usually more about Dolphins social and Dolphins Twitter. But today it's going to be more towards the national perspective. And look, I've seen a list of teams and quarterbacks and the stats you want to utilize, whatever, that's fine. All I know is that this season has literally featured more double-digit underdogs winning games outright than any other season in the National Football League's history. What was the theme back like five weeks running? Is anyone in the AFC actually good? That was the joke I saw after the Jets beat the Titans. The Jets beat the Bengals. It was that way when the 2-7 and seven Dolphins beat a 6-2 and two Ravens team. When the Jags beat the Bills. When the Jags beat us. Ugh, that wasn't the case, but still. In the NFC, the Lions knocked off the Cardinals despite having 10 fewer wins. You get the point. Going half a season without losing a game, it's tough to do. And can we also please stop glossing over Lamar Jackson like he's some random quarterback on that list? This is a former league MVP. I mean, entering the game against Miami, Lamar had 13 touchdowns, 7 picks, 2 rushing touchdowns. He had 600 yards in 8 games on the ground with 2,200 through the air. A cool 351 total yards per game for Lamar Jackson. Then against us, 73.6 passer rating, 
39 rushing yards, the lowest point total under his command in 45 career starts with the Ravens. And since that game, Lamar Jackson's total passer rating has dropped 30 points, 65.8. The 351 yards per game rate fell to 210. 210! So are we sure the story isn't that opposing quarterbacks, regardless of resume, just aren't getting much done against Miami's defense, opposed to the Dolphins are feasting on quarterbacks that the national outlook thinks are not a fair opponent? It's annoying, but ultimately annoying occurrences don't mean a damn thing. What does matter is seven straight wins, eight and seven, and another fun weekend coming our way. Let's go get it. We'll preview the game tomorrow on the Drive Time Podcast. That's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast this week. Marco Coleman joined Seth and OJ. You don't want to miss that one. Check out the Miami Dolphins YouTube channel for media availabilities as well as Dolphins Today. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline. Daddy's coming home.